Join me in the reading this morning of John's declaration of what happened on this day we call Palm Sunday. And take some time this week to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of it as well. And take some time this week also to read through all four Gospels' account of Holy Week, of what happened on Good Friday, what happened on Monday, Thursday. You'll really be glad that you did. And if you'll do that each day throughout this week, you will be so prepared for what God is wanting to give you throughout this week and particularly next Sunday. Listen as I read John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. This is just after Jesus has been anointed in Bethany. It's just after he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And after that, the next day, John tells us, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees. Now, Bethany's about two miles away from Jerusalem and from the Mount of Olives. So there's about a two-mile distance, and then you come down from the Mount of Olives and right into the Garden of Gethsemane. And and they took palm branches and went out to meet Jesus, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written in Zechariah 9.9, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Jesus knew that scripture. That's why he chose the donkey. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, that is when Jesus was revealed, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify, to witness. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet Jesus. The Pharisees said to one another, You see, we can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And it was the world. Because the people at the Passover celebration who had come for the festival were from all over the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment and praise God in prayer for this great gift that it might touch and change our hearts. Let's pray. Father, as we come now, we pray that your good news would come and find us not only in word but in power in your Holy Spirit. And with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, and you are our salvation. Amen. I am a very blessed person, for many reasons, but perhaps most of all because I know I am blessed. You ever feel that way, that you're You're blessed to know that you're blessed. And among the reasons I know that I am blessed is that I have been privileged to take the walk or the ride, if you will, that is described in what we've just read. I have done this literally. I've gone from the top of the Mount of Olives down into the Garden of Gethsemane seven times, which is the biblical number of completion and wholeness, and I'll do it again next fall, and I hope some of you will come and join me in that. 
But really, I've been making this ride with Jesus for many years. And it has reinforced for me that this is the ride of our lives. Whether we ever get to Jerusalem, in Israel, or not. Because this ride calls us to the new Jerusalem, to that place of peace with God. That's what Jerusalem means, place of peace. And this ride of our lives is the one we need to take this morning. Because as we do, it causes us to realize that we're going to a place we could never get ourselves. We're being taken to a place, to that place of peace we could never make happen. And the only way for that to happen is for us to go with Jesus. That's what the donkey knew. It's what we need to know. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew we could never know peace unless we went with him. It's the same for us. It's why he came. It is why Jesus stepped into this moment of Scripture and let it unfold as he did. It is why Jesus told the, other, the disciples in the other accounts, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke, to go get a donkey and not a horse. It's why he stopped in Luke's account halfway down the mountain and wept over Jerusalem even as the crowds were cheering for him because Jesus knew that they didn't understand who he really was. He didn't weep because he was being rejected. He wept because they were failing to see who they really needed and what they really needed. They were waving their flag, not their hearts. It's why Jesus' next act, right after this, was to go in to the temple and turn over the tables and throw out the money changers, and suddenly the praise was like, what is he doing? Jesus did nothing by accident. He went nowhere by accident, Dan. He knew, say, it was ordained what he was to do. And we are realizing this as a body, and it is why we have come to see the powerful truth in that benediction of Dick Halverson's, that says we go nowhere by accident because that's God's benediction. That's God telling us that. You see, this Sunday is a day of so many pieces of the upper story. Remember we studied the upper story connecting the lower story. This day, Jesus was showing what he would later say to Pilate during the week. My kingdom is not of this world. See, if the hope Jesus brought was of this world, he would have had to say to his disciples in a contemporary way, he, could, he would have said, if, if his kingdom was of this world, he would have said, go get me the coolest, fastest, most powerful Ferrari. I mean, after all, it was Rome, Italy, right? But he didn't say, go get me the fastest Ferrari. He said, Go to this little tiny car lot I know about and tell the guys I need to borrow the little electric golf cart they have plugged in there in the back of the lot. That's effectively what Jesus did. You see, it's as Faye described. When you showed up on a big, powerful horse, it was known that you were ready to take on the world. Come on, I'm going to get you. But if you showed up on a donkey, it was a mark of two things. One, that you were the king and that you came in peace. 
Because when the king came on a donkey, it was a mark that he didn't need to win by worldly standards. And this is what Jesus was telling them then and what he's telling us now. The battle is not in and of this world. Do you ever get tired of fighting the battles of this world? I did my taxes yesterday. Gosh. The victory we need is not going to come by encountering the world on its terms, but by overcoming and transcending the battles of this world with a peace that comes from outside the world. There's a great new song, maybe it's not new, but I heard it for the first time, contemporary Christian song called, If There's No Crown. If, there, if there's no cross, there's no crown. You can't win a victory without dying, as we described last week. See, Jesus wasn't naive, and neither are you or I. As long as there are people, there are going to be battles, right? That's not going to end. Battles for security. But the message Jesus brought, the message he brought on this day and carried into this week, and that we will celebrate as we come out of the darkness next Sunday is that none of our human battles will bring us the transcendent and lasting peace that comes from going with Jesus for the ride of our lives. And that has to do with money, taxes, finances, aging, raising children, being raised, being in relationships. None of the things that trouble us, addictions, mental illness, none of those things are ultimately going to be defeated by worldly measures. They're going to be defeated by the power of the cross and Jesus dying to set us free and showing us that as we die to him, we'll know that peace. You see, as much as we hate the idea of human enemies treating us or anyone else oppressively, the threat of flesh and blood is nothing compared to to what the enemy who wants to separate us from God, wants to do to us. That's why Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one who wants to kill your body, take your body. Be afraid of the one who who wants to take your soul. That's what the devil wants to do. Because you know what? This body's going to end. We talked about that last week, right? We're all going to die. But until we ride with Jesus, until we ride with Jesus, until he is ruling our lives with his peace, there will be no peace. There will always be an enemy that keeps us restless. Only as we see who Jesus really is and what he has come to do will we realize who we really need. And that's a lifetime. That's a ride of a lifetime. John tells us even the disciples didn't get this until Jesus had done what? been glorified, died and risen. Now Bruce Milne is very helpful when he reminds us of why Jesus did what he did in saying Jesus' mission is nothing less than the supernatural inbreaking of God in the death and rising of the Son and the outpouring of the Spirit. The ideals of the kingdom can be realized only where the king is enthroned. Let me ask you, Who's the king of your life? Are we willing to go on this ride with Jesus and make him king? Are we willing to make him king of the very real stories of our lives and the things 
that really torment us and make us fearful and anxious and to say, okay, you can have this. You can show me how to deal with this. You see, that is why Jesus came for us, not in a figurative way, but in a literal way to ask, will you come with me? Will you come with me up to the cross? Will you come with me into the empty tomb? Will you come with me into a new life where none of the things of this world have any more power over you? Will you let me define, Jesus asks. Will you let me define your need for rescue? Will you let me save you? That's a really important question. I heard this week, and sadly this is not rare, of a pastor who told his congregation recently, not up in the pulpit, that he didn't believe in the literal death and resurrection of Jesus. But that it was okay if the congregation wanted to. Now, I don't say this as a criticism of theology or history, though I certainly could, as much as I want to say this just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say you're a follower of Jesus Christ and say, but I don't believe in his literal death and resurrection. Because if we don't believe that, what's the point? There's just no point in following Jesus. Let's go play golf or whatever you like to do. If we're going to truly accept what Jesus did on this day, we will have to go beyond the mind games that we want to play or that Satan wants us to play or that the world wants us to play. We will have to literally go with Jesus and accept that what he literally did is what we need and what we need to experience in terms of salvation. The word Hosanna, we, we sang it this morning, it's in the scripture. It means literally, Lord, save us. Lord, rescue us. It's an acknowledgement that we cannot save ourselves and we don't need to be saved from Rome or the IRS as much as we might think. How do we perceive then our need for salvation? John points out in Zechariah 9.9 because it's a fulfillment of scripture. We, our salvation comes because God came for us, but on a donkey? He brings peace, not conquest. Conquest on a worldly level will only lead to more con conflict. You know, you, have you ever noticed this? The IRS keeps sending these forms every year. They want, the, they want that paid every, every year. But when Jesus conquers our hearts, ah, now that's different. That's a once and for all thing. When Jesus conquers our hearts, then there really is shalom. For each of us to realize what this means to make Jesus king of our lives will be to realize how just like Israel under Rome, we have come to think we know, we're so smart, who our enemy is and just how life needs to go in order for us to be whole. But only as we let Jesus define our need will we be in a place to let him meet that need by defining what the need is. Until then, we will be riding away from Jesus on our own Ferrari rather than with him on his donkey. To ride with Jesus as the king of our lives takes the faith he came to give us. Not faith in our own plans, but faith in what he is going to do beyond our understanding. Ravi Zacharias describes what this looks like when he says, faith is 
confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and in His power so that even when His power does not serve our end, our plan, we're still confident in Him because of who He is. What Jesus does is very meddlesome. Have you ever noticed that? And it's very intentional. He does that by getting on that donkey after raising Lazarus from the dead and defines how confused and broken we and our world are in terms of what we think is going to work for us. This ride, Jesus weeping over Jerusalem's and our failure to understand and to want the things of this world to give us security, his turning over the tables and then not resisting what the world did to him is Jesus' way of telling us what we really need. Quit fighting. Quit trying to get even. Let him take you where you need to go. Follow his example. Now, according to a a study of the practice of psychotherapy in the United States, people aren't going to psychiatrists and psychologists much anymore. In fact, in the 11 years from 1997 to 2008, the drop-off was 30%. 30%, and I'm sure it's continued to. And the reason for this decline are, are complex, but there's really one major trend. Psychotherapy involves the long, hard work of facing our own issues. But many people today would rather blame others for their problems. In other words, psychotherapists used to see patients who were unhappy and wanted to understand themselves. Now they see more patients who come in because they wanted someone else or or something else to be the cause for their discomfort. One of the people said, I see fewer and fewer people coming in and saying, I want to change myself. The reason I bring this up is because, ironically, psychotherapy is realizing that the ultimate result of sin, though they don't call it that, is that people think they don't have to change. Lord, you save us. You come and fix it, Jesus. The reality is we need to change, and that's why we're here. This is not a hotel for the holy. It's a hospital for the hurting, for people who know they need to be different people. The the bad news is the reason people aren't going to psychologists or psychiatrists much anymore is that it's too hard. It's hard work. and They don't want to change. And they're realizing we can't really change ourselves. But here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus can change us. And Jesus wants to change us. And he invites us to be changed as we let him be the one who takes us for the ride of our lives and defines where we need to go. Now, if you don't know what this ride consists of, if you've never been on this ride, if you've been hesitant to get on because you're afraid or whatever, God will show us as we let him come into the places and the schemes and the efforts that we have consciously or unconsciously been 
relying on to fix that he alone can heal us. So what have we been holding on to? What are we holding on to? What is the thing that we would say, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to do it my way. What have we let hold on to us that has kept us back from letting Jesus ride into our life as king? And in so doing, ride off with what holds us back from his amazing grace. What is it? Come on. We all know it's, it's something. For each of us, it's different and yet the same. We're holding Jesus' grace at arm's length. Oh, I'm not going to go that far yet. I know I can fix this. I know it's somebody else's fault. I know as soon as I figure that one out, I'll be okay. But as we say this simple prayer, Jesus, show me what I need to see. Jesus, show me what I need to see. To see. Simple prayer. Let's say it together. Jesus, show me what I need to see. Guess what? It will happen. It will happen. Little by little, it will happen because it isn't up to us. It is Jesus who comes riding into our lives to take over as we let Him. That ride begins right now. It continues into this holy week. It has a great celebration next Sunday and invites us into the new Jerusalem as we continue to ride with Jesus every day of the rest of our lives. As we let one more path, one more false promise or plan fall off the throne so that Jesus alone may be king. Are you ready to go for the ride of your life? Are we? Are you ready to go for the ride of your life, even though you may think you've already been? I hope so. Get ready. Hang on. Because it really is the ride of our lives. May God be glorified. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for showing us so personally what it means to let you change us and make us whole. Thank you for leading us beyond the things of this world and showing us that your kingdom is bigger than all the things that consume and tantalize us or try to hold us back. Thank you for your grace that comes when we simply let you take us where we need to be. Let that happen, we pray, in your precious and holy name. Let's stand up. And as we prepare to go forward from this place, let's invite Jesus to be the one who saves us, singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna.
Because Jesus went nowhere by accident, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Christ who indwells us has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it and go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and fellowship and equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.